Are you feeling stuck, lost, tired, or uninspired? We've all been there, including myself. I'm Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. I'm here to tell you that the best, unapologetic, and limitless version of yourself is yet to come. The Born Unbreakable podcast is here to inspire just that. With motivating guests from all different walks of life and around the world, their stories will empower you to unlock abundance and your unbreakable spirit. Do you need accountability? Reach out to me for a free consultation of how I can support you in reaching your maximum potential. This episode is brought to you by Korma Date Coffee, the healthy alternative to coffee. This delicious date coffee has the health benefits of giving you natural energy, antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, and fiber. Best of all, Korma is caffeine-free. No jitters, no anxiety, and no afternoon crash. Go to KormaCafe.com, that's K-O-R-M-A-C-A-F-E.com, and enter discount code BORNUNBREAKABLE at checkout to get 10% off your order. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast and 2022. This episode is the first episode of the new year. And for me, that is really special. It's it's basically going into this new space with positive energy and if this is the first time that you're tuning into this podcast, maybe you just decided, hey, I'm going to see what's going on in the podcast world this year, and you chose Born Unbreakable. I want to thank you for being here. If you have been with me through the journey, I want to thank you too for coming back and joining me and my special guest today because you are in for a real treat. I have so much respect for Anthony Pierre, what he's doing, and we're gonna learn more about that. But let me tell you a little bit about Anthony. So Anthony is many things. He's a real estate investor. He's an author of the book, Boundless Success, which you should go check out on Amazon. He is a motivational speaker and a minister, and he is really focused on empowerment. And that's exactly what we're going to get today. His mission is to help others to change their mindset and work over fear, fear of failure, which we're going we're gonna to talk about. And he hails from Cincinnati, Ohio. Yes. So we're representing, you know, I'm over here in Las Vegas, Nevada. He's in Cincinnati, Ohio. And it's funny, Anthony, one of the first consulting projects that I had was in Cincinnati. Oh, wow. And I love the experience of being there. I was, I got exposed to what it was like to be in the snow in yes. the winter over there. And snowing the West Coast is a little different. Oh, it's, is it snowing now? Yeah, it, yeah. yeah. So you, so you know, it snowed the other yeah. day. And, you know, and my wife, you know, she's actually from uh, Kenya, Africa. So she's used to it being nice and warm. So this was, you know, one, you know, this her, her, her second year dealing with the uh, the winners here in uh, in Ohio. So uh, so of course she's like at the window taking pictures and stuff. But uh, but it melted already. But yeah, we had, it snowed yesterday and it was there for a second and now it's gone. But but yes, yeah, we in that season right now. 
Yeah, it t- tis the season for some of these weather weather changes and uh you know, life changes. Like I said, we're 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 blessed to be here and I learned about your story and I would love, you know, wh- one of the things when we think about a new year and moving forward is the high points, right? Yeah. The possibilities, the things that we're looking forward to and we're setting goals. But we can't appreciate things like success if we don't admire where we've come from. Mm-hmm. and the things that got us here and the things that we've learned from. And I know in your journey, one of the experiences that you've had was spending time in prison and having time to reflect on what that what that all meant. So I would love for us to go back to that time before we talk about the Anthony today and what you learned from that experience. Oh, okay. Well, absolutely. Well, once again, thank you uh, for having me. It's actually an honor to be here. Uh, and, you know, uh, we talked a little bit earlier, we were just talking about, you know, our lives and, and how, you know, we're just living in a different time and, you know, and things shift and change. And for some people, it's been an extremely difficult adjustment. Uh, and, you know, and that takes me back to when I ran into my situation, uh, which, which happened uh, back in 2009. Uh, that was like a shift. That was like a change uh, beyond what I could imagine, because prior to that, you know, I had been pretty successful uh, at real estate investing, had been investing at that time for I don't know how many years uh, since probably 1998 or so. Uh, once I came out of college is when I started uh, investing. And I've been an entrepreneur, you know, all my life. I've always owned my own business and and I always had the pleasure of being able to be with my kids. I was always the parent that was at the uh, events and, you know, my kids would come to me to go on all the field trips. So I look forward to that. And, you know, and at that time when I had caught this case, I had four uh, beautiful children. My youngest daughter was two, Amaya. Uh, my oldest uh, daughter, uh, Courtney, at that time was 16. And, you know, and she was, you know, going through that phase in her life, of course, which was uh, an amazing time for her because everybody can't wait to turn 16, right? Especially young ladies. So that was a, a really good time for her. And then, uh, and then my sons were both eight and uh, 10, Anthony and uh, Aiden and Anthony. So, so, you know, this was just like a shock. To, to my entire family. And a lot of people, you know, wonder like, well, what happened? You know, you go from, you know, being a successful real estate investor, you know, when I when I first started out, you know, me, me and my brother, I mean, we, we ended up buying, but we bought like 17 houses in four months and, and end up, you know, putting half a million dollars in our pocket and, and purchasing more than two and a half million dollars in real estate and blew this business up. And then all of a sudden, less than maybe, uh, you know, 10 or so years later, I find myself facing 22 years in prison. And the thing that uh, really I had to reflect on at that moment was, is that I really had to look at my life because one of the things that I always talk about is that, you know, we're always we're all victims of our environment and the things that we grew up and that we see. And a lot of times we see things in our lives that we should never see. And it almost breaks my heart, especially when you look at young kids coming up in these horrible environments and seeing things and being around things that now starts to kind of be the norm. 
And for me, you know, although I had broke away from my environment and went off and, and played college football and, and, and then I ended up coming out and graduating from college and then also opening a business, but my, my, I still was tied to my environment. You know, I still had, most of my friends were still selling drugs and doing stuff like that and wasn't really, you know, doing anything. And I almost felt an obligation to reach down. Uh, to always help in any kind of way that I could. And, you know, and I, and I was always that guy that people came to for help. Uh, so it was just natural to me. So if someone came to me and said, man, I need help, this, this, that, how can you help me? You know, a lot of times, you know, I'm going to try to see what I can do to help. And sometimes it may be outside of the rules, so to speak. Uh, and then this was the situation for this. I had a really, really close uh, childhood friend uh, that was in a bind. And just to tell you a little bit about the story between me and this individual is that, you know, the irony of the situation is, is when we were young, we were like, we always ran together as kids. And one time we end up getting, uh, we end up getting caught skipping school. And uh, we get brought into the principal office and I'm sitting in, in one room and he's sitting in another room. And one of our teachers came in, I guess, to uh, to see, to, I guess, to scold us or whatever. So teacher comes in and she, you know, she goes over uh, to me first and she says, you know, what are you doing? She just goes off on me. You know, this is that you never should have been this. She's never should have been. She just kind of scold me. Right. And I'm like, man, okay, you know, and then she went over to the other room and for some reason I could hear it. And in the other room, she went to him and she says, you know, why are you hanging with Anthony? You know, he's, he don't have a future. This is not going to happen. He comes from, I mean, just really just saying all these horrible things about me and I'm listening. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, who she thinks she is? What does she mean? I don't have a future. What do you know? So as a kid, you know, at this time, I'm probably, I mean, I'm in my, I don't know. I'm not even, I'm close to being maybe 13, 14 at this time, maybe. I mean, I'm not, I don't even think I'm, yeah, I'm probably 12. I'm not even at that age. I'm young still. So, so I'm listening. I'm like, what does she mean by that? So uh, instantly uh, that was like one of the first pivots in my life that made me say, you know what? Like, she don't know me. Let me, you know, let me prove her wrong. Uh, so from that moment on, it changed my mind shift. So that, that my mindset uh, instantly. And that was like the first time that I noticed it in my life. Didn't know what it was until later on that it was a mind shift change. But it was just like, okay, let me prove you wrong. What do you mean? You know what? I really don't like studying. I really don't I hate school. I don't like these books. But guess what? Because you said that, give me this math book. Let me sit down here. Let me work these things. So uh, long story short, I end up, this was when I was in the sixth grade. So I end up getting straight A's from that point on. And I ended up getting on iron roll and everything for the first time ever in my life. And just out of spite to the teacher, and this is just show you my mentality. I ended up not showing up to the ceremony. I didn't, I, I skipped school, you know, and I did it on purpose. And I skipped and went with the older kids in the seventh, eighth grade on a field trip and snuck on a trip. And of course I ended up getting caught. So it became a big thing at the school. Also became a big thing in school that, hey, he got all these A's and he had all these things and then he didn't show up for his whatever. So but but the point of it was, is that, you know, me and this individual was really close. So we grew up together and, and it was my hope that, you know, he would eventually go off and do some amazing things. Unfortunately, he ended up getting, 
you know, caught up in the street world. And that's kind of what it did end up not graduating from high school and all that kind of was in and out in trouble and law and all that. And was extremely a talented student. I mean, he was, he was getting great aids and doing really great in school at that time. So, you know, you would only think that he would have been an amazing, uh, you know, student and going to do some amazing things, but his mind shift shift too. So even given that praise, he took it and boom, he went the, the, the total opposite way. And, one of the reasons why I went off to college and got out and even tried to get him to leave with me, like, man, come to college, man. Let's just go down here to college. You know, he like, no, nah, you know, I need to do what I'm doing. So, you know, take care of my family, whatever. So I go off to college. I do what I do. He goes off and, and, and whatever. Now, fast forward, I come out. All of a sudden, I blow this company up, become, you know, uh, this big investor. And also, I, I, I own one of the first minority-owned mortgage lenders in the tri-state, Indiana, Kentucky, and Ohio. So we were impacting and changing people's lives in a lot of different ways. I, most of all, my family and friends, their first homes and stuff like that came through our company, helping them get, get financed and get their house. So, and even his mom and dad also, I even helped them get their house and stuff like that as well. So, you know, I was like here, you know, doing these things. And then he was kind of like the black sheep and he was like over here doing what he ain't really supposed to be doing. So he was in the jam and he came to me and, uh, and I have helped him before, which I probably should have never did. And that's really what, what the issue was. In this case, he was like really down and said, man, I really need something to happen. Can you help me out? I end up owning a building in Chicago and I usually go down there every year. And what happened is, is he asked me and I said, you know what? All right, man, I'll stop. And I, I knew the guys anyway. I said, I, I'll pick that up for you and I'll bring it back on my way to help him because he was in a really, really bad bond. He really needed it to happen. So I did it, but didn't know that he was being investigated, didn't know that they were looking at all this stuff. So when I get it back, I get stopped and boom, my whole life changed. And now I get caught with this illegal uh, contraband uh, in my vehicle. And now I'm facing 22 years in prison out of nowhere. And just like it always happens, almost like a movie, all of a sudden I became the center of attention. They started coming after all my assets. They started saying that, hey, this is probably the ringleader. He's probably the guy that's the orchestrating it, or he's the one that may be laundering the money of the of this organization over here. And so they came after all my things, took all my things. Matter of fact, even before I even got convicted, took my cars, even sold my stuff, uh, which was, I didn't even think that was even possible. But you know, it was just like one of the lowest, lowest periods in my life because I worked so hard to get to this point. And I had not even had a juvenile record at that time. I was a little bad kid, but, you know, once I turned it around, I was, you know, on the up and up. Uh, so now I'm looking at, you know, 22 years in prison. So they come to me with a proposition that says, hey, we really want, you know, these guys over here. So if you will help us, and talk, we would give you community service. Now, what community service is, is probation. So meaning that I could have walked out and went and left. And if I would have just told on told on him, everybody else that I knew, or any other people that I knew, and even friends that I've known for years, uh, that was that. But I'm going to be honest with you, dads, is that, you know, street code is great. And some street codes we probably shouldn't even uphold. But for me, it was less about you know, snitching and telling, if I see a murder and somebody get killed, of course, I would, without a doubt, you know what I'm saying, report that. But in this case, it was like, I was already caught. I was already in trouble. And how I look at it is, is that punish me for what I did. Okay. I made a huge mistake. So I'll take responsibility. I, I did it out of, I was not being coerced. I made this decision. So punish me. 
but I refuse to ruin another man's life or five or six or seven other people's life. Maybe this may impact and shift their minds and change the way that they're looking at it because they see me up here and then I go all the way down here. And then also the fact that I'm not willing, you know what I'm saying, to not take responsibility. I'm not going to walk out of here and then ruin eight or nine other people's lives. And then every day I'm living my life free. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then and then their kids and their families and everything is messed. No. So I said, the buck stops here. So whatever you have for me, give to me or whatever. So ultimately end up, you know, I end up getting, uh, they end up, you know, negotiating and then giving me six years in prison. Uh, and even though I had never been in trouble. So this was horrible for me. It was hard for my family. Uh, you know, one of the worst times in my life, you know, I was always strong. Even my father had passed when I was 17. And like, I, I never even cried, you know, because I seen so many other people hurting and pain, my mother and everyone. I just, I just felt like I had to be strong for everyone. But like this issue was, was one of the, the things that I had never, because I seen, I felt for the first time as like a failure. I felt for the first time that I was the most selfish person on the planet because I had these four beautiful children that was here. And now, you know, they were supposed to come with me that weekend and now I'm locked up and, and they, and I never got back out uh, because they, they took my assets. I had no access to be able to get out. They made my bond super high. Uh, It was just uh, ridiculous, but, but, I had never really cried about anything at that point since I was a little kid. This was like the first time. The, the, the crazy thing about this is that I was sitting in court. And when I decided to take the six years, I'm sitting in court and I look back and I see all my family. I see all these faces. And the judge had asked me after she gave me six years, she says, Anthony, you know, we see what you've done in society. We understand this, this, that. You have taken this plea. You know, is there anything that you want to say? You know, and, you know, I started to talk. And for the first time, and I don't know how many years, man, I, I started to cry. I mean, tears just, I couldn't even get the words out. And it was such a shock to everyone because I'm trying to to just thank my family, you know, for their support. But I'm, I'm like crying. I'm like, And I'm just looking, I'm looking back and, you know, and I'm crying. And I'm just telling them, you know. Uh, I just want to thank them, you know, for their support and, and and always being there for me, whatever. And I'm doing this in tears. So afterwards, you know, I just tell you this little story. Afterwards, they supposed to take me back. I'm I'm like in chains and everything, and they supposed to take me back to the uh, to the prison. So on my way, the my family was going out, which was a sweet uh, CO that was taking me back. She says, "Hey, do you want to say something to your family?" And I was like, oh, absolutely. So she actually allowed me to talk to my family. They always able to come over to me, say hello, and this, this, that. And, you know, I have a real, you know, a loving family, but I also have a silly family, too. And all of a sudden, everybody walk up, everybody hugging me, whatever. And then my little sister walks up and she said, bruh. I don't think I've seen you crying. And I don't know how many years she was like, I was sitting there shocked, like to see you cry, you know, whatever. So we hugged and everything. And, you know, we laughed about it. And, you know, and that was like one of those moments that was like, you know, just meaningful to me because it was like the family's there. And then she did something that really she's not even allowed to do. She allowed me to see my family. And, you know, before that, you know, I was off the prison. So that was kind of you know, leading up to that point, me in prison, and now I'm having to deal with the psychology of being in prison, never being in prison, and then trying to figure out how to protect my mental health. Because, Mm -hmm. 
what I noticed is that one or two, two things happen when you go to prison. Either you're going to go in a better person or you're going to come out a worse person. There's no in-between. You will never be the same when you leave prison. But you have a choice. You can come out and be better or you can come out and be an even worse person. And that's usually uh, what you see tend to happen. And that's why you see people tend to continue to go back to prison because they buy into the idea that this is all life has for them. So now they go into prison and they start working on trying to be a better uh, a better criminal. I can do it better this time. If I didn't do X, Y, Z, then this wouldn't have happened and that would have happened, you know, or if I did this. So, you know, they start, you know, thinking about how they could have not got caught versus thinking about, OK, this whole ideal is screwed up. And the idea that I'm having to break the law, you know, is there a better way? And can I change my life? And can I find another way to provide for my family? Uh, so that was that's the two things that I noticed. So for me, I was dealing with this idea that I was a failure and I started to to start questioning that word like, well, what is failure? You know, are you really a failure? And, you know, I taught one of my, my daughter's mom had uh, had said something to me while I was actually she was a CO. So when I was locked up, she had called in through the PA. And while I was locked up the next day after I got locked up, cause she was, she worked down at the County. And all of a sudden I hear this voice like, Tony, Tony, like, who was that? She was like, it's me, Andrea. I says, what are you doing? She's like, I, I, you, you locked up and I'm trying to find out what's going on. What happened? You know? So, you know, we talked or whatever, but she said something that really changed me. She says, look, no matter what happens, just know this, that your daughter will have, because my daughter was two at the time. She says, your daughter will have a relationship with you. You will see her. We will be there with you no matter what. That is my word. And I was just like, wow. You know, so at that time, it made me really start to think like, well, are you really a failure? You know, and what is the word failure? So one of the things that I realized when I started really questioning that word, the idea to fail, uh, it has to stop. So like if you had a radio that failed, it quits. It no longer works. Whereas so for something to fail, it has to stop. So in all actuality, as long as you breathe in, you're not a failure. As long as you pushing forward, you're not a failure. So this was a reality to me. And then, of course, at that time, too, I started really getting spiritual, really started studying, really started reading the Bible, really started looking at, you know, what God's perspective was on us and how he viewed us as well. And one thing I noticed is that in the Bible, the word failure is never mentioned and never at one point in time has he called one human a failure. So that in itself made me change the way that I thought and said, you know what, I'm not a failure. Now, I made a mistake, but I'm not a failure. So, and I have not stopped and I'm not going to stop. So what I'm going to do now is, is that I'm actually going to change the way that I looked at things. So one of the mind shifts that I made, I says, well, look, I did five years in college. So this is six years. I can do six years here, you know, as long as I approach it from an educational standpoint, let me learn, let me learn about who I am. What even made me make this decision? Why would I make a decision like that? And I just really started to, to searching me. And what it did is it made me strip down butt naked. I had to actually really look at myself. I had to be honest with myself. I had to realize that 
you are here because of you, your decision that you made. Irregardless, yeah, did they illegally stop me? Yeah, did they do all these illegal things? Did they break the law to uphold the law? Yes, they did. But that has nothing to do with me. That has everything to do with them. And they have to deal with that if they continue to do that. But for me, I should have never been in that situation. So that's what I had to look at. So I went, I finally took responsibility, you know what I'm saying, for my actions. And I just realized like, you know what, I'm going to do everything I can for my children from here. And that's all I can do. And one of my favorite characters in the Bible was uh, King David. Why? Because King David did a lot of things that he screwed up, man. He, I mean, he screwed up big time. You know, he 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 committed adultery. You know, he had a son that, you know, turned on him and, you know, he was forced out of his kingdom. You know, but one thing he said that really made me really appreciate him is that when he was actually faced with the ideal of what he had did uh, to uh to his uh to Bathsheba's husband, he said something uh to the prophet, which always just touched my heart, is that after the prophet told him that, hey, you know, you did this thing and showed him that we know that God know that you did this thing, first he repented, but the other thing he did is that he turned to God and he pleaded with God to not take his spirit away. And, and which is his favor. Because he realized at that moment that God had given him so much favor. So now he realized that I just done threw this whole thing to the side. I got, he, he done blessed me so much. I got four wives. Why do I need to take someone else? I done kid it, committed, uh, you know, murder and all that. You know, so it was like it was on him, right? So then now he realized the most important thing, which was, was his relationship with God. So he fought for that versus anything else. And that right there mm -hmm. really touched my heart because sometimes I think we are fighting for everything else, but are we really fighting for our relationship with God? Do we still want that favor? Do we still want him to bless us and really help us and continue to be there for us despite some of the ridiculous things and stupid things and mistakes that we make each and every day? And he continues to forgive us, but we will fight for that relationship. It's one thing for God to forgive you, but it's another thing to fight for the relationship with him. And that's what I saw with David. And that's what David did. And the one thing that I noticed with David too, is that God did not stop what was going to happen due to the outcome of his decision. He was going to have to pay the consequence for his decision, but God did continue to give him favor. So the, the consequences was, yes, he got ran out of his kingdom. His son and maybe family lost a lot of respect for him. His son ended up, you know, taking his, his wife, his concubines and, and being intimate with him and stuff. All these things. So for me, on a spiritual perspective, that was powerful. That really helped me. And it made me really uh, become open and, and it removed a veil from my eyes. And I started to see people because it's one thing when you're young and you start making a lot of money and stuff like that. Sometimes you don't see people. Sometimes you may be arrogant. Sometimes you may think you something more than what you really are. And I realized that I was none of that, you know, and for for me to even even think for a second that I might be something is is ridiculous because you know uh the only thing that that we have really is our word uh and you know our relationship you know what I'm saying with our creator and what we doing with our lives so that's really all you got and how you live in your life, whether you live in it bad or whatever so that's all you have so I realized like you know what I have to change the way that I live my life. I have to let my no mean no and my yes mean yes. And I have to now start 
a new me and just build from there. And that's what I did. I just I just stripped myself down. It was like the most humbling thing. It was hard. It was it was hard to look at my life. It was hard to look at all the things. It was hard to really ask for forgiveness for everything I've done that was probably bad and and and, and really mean it. And then it was actually difficult to actually act in harmony with your actual prayers because we tend to want these things, but sometimes we don't act in harmony with it. So I started to do that and, and, and I ended up getting baptized, becoming an ordained minister. And I really started helping inmates in there. So literally I was the guy that everyone came to, you know, we talk about, they want to come on the yard. We'll walk, we'll talk about their problems. So my time went like this because it was no longer about me. Matter of fact, I don't even think I've really ever talked much about my case, you know, you know, but a lot of people knew who I was because of the real estate stuff. But as the spiritual person, you know, they really, you know, uh, Love that because they actually had an outlet, somebody who was willing to talk to them, somebody who wouldn't judge them, somebody who would just walk to them and allow them to get it out, what they was dealing with. And then also give them comfort mm-hmm. from the scriptures. You know, it's four things that that the uh, the scriptures did for me. And, and I'm not saying this to tell anyone mm-hmm. religious or what it is, but it did for me. And one thing is, is that it gave me instruction. The other thing that it did is that it actually helped me to endure. And then the third thing uh, that it did is that it gave me comfort because it showed me I wasn't a failure. It showed me that I could be whatever I wanted to be and that God is with me. He's going to always be there for me. He's going to always help me as long as I'm willing to fight for my relationship with him. And then lastly, the fourth thing is it gave me hope. I have something to hope for now. You know, so. Anthony. Yes. You are like you're about to make me cry right now. Oh my gosh, but it's your your vulnerability and your openness to share from your heart this experience and everything that you've learned from it is so it's palpable and it's so powerful because you what you're sharing is a version of something that we all go through, I think in one of the most extreme versions of it. I mean, you, people that aren't in prison have a choice, more choices about where where they wake up and what they do and how they do it. And you were limited, but you chose not to think in a limited way, you know, and, and, some of the things that I'm taking from your story is one, acceptance, because part of being, having peace with ourselves, which is I think the number one person that we battle the most, it's mm-hmm. not the world, it's not the other people in your life, it's you. And when you can make peace with the mistakes, with the decisions that you make, that's step one. But I think the important part of what else you shared is accountability, responsibility, ownership. And when you do that, that's where the learning, that's where the growth can happen. And there's always a crossroad that we have because I, you know, I never really thought about it the way that you described it. And I can understand hearing it from you that you can either come out better or you can come out worse. And um, I have a lot of uh, family 
who work in the in the prison system, you know, as a police officer, a sergeant, a tech, you know, sar mm -hmm. a, a tech that checks in the inmates and all kinds of different things. And, and you, it's a, you don't hear too many of the good stories. I'll put it that way. You, mm -hmm. you, you're not hearing uh, the success cases. You know, I hear more of the, oh, yeah, no, you know, most of the people they see again, most of the people are back. And to the point where they, they know them well, to, you know, they, they know their story and not be beyond that, they expect them to come back. They mm -hmm. expect that this is a pattern and and when you leave, there is a place right back here for you. And that breaks my heart. And hearing you helps me and hopefully anybody who's listening know that there always is a different choice. It might, it might not be the common choice, but there's always a different choice and the choice is yours. And that's our uh, responsibility, you know, to, to pick which path that you're going to go down. No, I know I agree. And, and that's the that. thing that I learned. I mean, that was the biggest thing. So one of the things that I did do is, you know, I, I started, you know, preaching and, and teaching and helping people. But another thing is I had a bunkie who wanted to learn how to invest in real estate. And he was like, you know what? I've heard about you. And he says, I've been hearing all these things that I really want to want to get uh learn how to invest in real estate so i says okay well let me think about how i'm gonna do that because i was a different person now you know i've been in prison now for a couple of years and i started changing the way that i looked at things and i didn't have that same oh, i'll buy any means necessary and that rah 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 you get rich and and that type of thing that you see on a lot on tv and a lot of these you know coaches and you want to make millions of dollars and you want to do this and do that and you know i mean that's the hype and that's the that's the thing that they they do you know they kind of get people but me i says nah i need something raw and uncut and just real uh, so that way, if I teach this person, I'm able to not only teach him from financial standpoint, but I'm also to teach him from a spiritual standpoint in terms of changing his heart, changing the way he thinks. So that way, when he gets out and I teach him these things, he can utilize them and never have to sell drugs again and never have to something that I probably should have done before I even made my decision, which would have benefited my friend more than me trying to help him continue to do better at what he was doing, which was already illegal there, instead of creating something that would have been beneficial that he could have went through a program or something. So I ended up telling him, I says, look, uh, his name is Cook and he's doing amazing right now. But I says, Cook, I says, hey, uh, here's what I'll do. I says, I'll sit down and teach you for one hour a week. I says, but the only thing I want you to do is, is that I want you, when you're at the auto school, I want you to type everything up. I said, because you got access to a computer. I didn't. He, used to, he, he was allowed to go out of the prison. And he worked at the auto school and they had they had computers. So I said, so I want you to just type it up. And he was like, oh, absolutely. I'll type it up, whatever you need. So I says, all right, cool. So I said, let's start. When you want to start? He's like, this weekend, Sunday. I was like, all right, well, let's go. So we started then. And for eight months, I sat down with him and another gentleman. And I taught him four phases to becoming a successful real estate investor. Uh, and in this, you know, I taught them banking, finance, taught them all the real estate strategies, taught them about their credit, taught them about corporations setting up their businesses and how to set up their business and take advantage of government grants and things when they get out and free money and all these things that I had the pleasure of being able to do and understood. Uh, so I teach them this course. 
And uh, and then he ended up, you know, taking that course, typing it all up. And then now I had the blueprint. So before you know it, I had four or five other people want to learn, sat down, taught another 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 group of guys. And then after teaching the second group of guys, the third group seemed to be super big. And it was like I was like, man, I had the CEOs coming around. Like, Anthony, what you doing? Got all these guys around here. Say, hey, I'm you know, I'm teaching them, you know. So finally, the principal reached out. I mean, and well, a friend reached out to tell me to reach out to the principal. I reached out to the principal. The principal said, hey, I've been hearing about your program. It's amazing. She was like, I don't have room in a school. She says, but let me introduce you to the director of education for Urbana University and see if they actually have room in the college. So she introduced me to the director. The director loved the program and then gave me space. And I end up having a program where they can actually get certified uh, by being completing the, cu- the class, which I created a 16 week course and I taught it twice uh, a semester. And on average in the colleges in prison, on average, it's about 10 to 15 students in a class on average. In my classes, it was 35 to 40 students in each session. I had to have them bring in 20 something plus chairs just to teach. And at that point in time, you know, I was able to not only impact a lot of people's lives by teaching them real estate, but I learned so much about people. And I really realized that even our prison system, we could have it go away if we wanted it to, because the real problem is really uh, capitalism. It's not necessarily a real problem uh, with you know, some of the things that people are doing, like, you know, most of them in there are nonviolent. Uh, so, I mean, most of the inmates are nonviolent. Most of them are in for like drugs and selling drugs or taking drugs or whatever it is. And, 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 and those are usually chemical imbalances. Those are usually, uh, uh, vices or even also may even, uh, be real illnesses because, you know, when you start doing drugs, I mean, that's an illness in itself. So, so whatever the case is. And, and so this is what I saw. And then I started teaching from 17 to like 70 something years old. So I created a system so that nobody can get left behind. And it was one of the most funnest periods in my life because I got to see all these different people from, I don't know what what they were. They could have been rapists, murderers, whatever it was. They was all in there. And they really, for the first time, had life because somebody was actually teaching them the game and showing them exactly what they needed to do from day one when they get out of prison and you will be amazed. So I have hundreds and hundreds of students that actually took that program. That program still to this day is one of the most successful real estate investment programs in the prison system. And I've been gone for seven years. Them guys picked that program up and kept teaching it. And some of my guys that were some of my best students that wasn't coming home anytime soon said, P this got to live on. Like what you've given us has been so powerful that, has to live on. And then one quick story to let you know, the, the, the funny story is that, so I taught this program. I help all these people. I gave them structure. I taught them how to invest. I, you know, they, they started getting out. I'm getting letters and things of how well they're doing getting out and stuff. Right. So now I get out. It's 2015. I get out of prison. And I tell my cousin, I says, Hey, let's go see the PO. Uh, Cause I want to just get that out the way right now. So she said, okay. She took me to see my PO, which is a parole officer. I go see my parole officer. I'm sitting in there with my parole officer. And the funny thing is, she says, okay, Anthony, look at your record. It was immaculate. You had no problems. So you're extremely low risk. You only got to report to me twice a year. And you can just either, you can, you can email me twice a year and you're good. She says, however, 
I got a question for you. She said, what are you going to do with your life? So the funny thing is, is that I helped all these people what they were going to do with their lives. I have been given so much all these years that at that time, I really didn't even know what I was going to do with my own life because while I was in prison, I was taking a lot of things. I ended up becoming a competent mechanic, learning how to use my hands. I've always been business suits and stuff like that. I never really used my hands. I ended up becoming getting my water one and water two license, which was only have a 40% pass rating. I passed it, you know, on a first go round. So these were accomplishments. And, and, and that's the point of what I was trying to say. Like, you have to move on with your life. How can you better yourself? So these were things that actually gave me even more confidence and overcome things that I didn't think that I could even do, especially learning how to take engines out and fix cars and stuff like that. So all these things. So she says, what do you want to do? I says, well, look, you know, I got my water one. I got my water two. I can probably do that. I think I can do that. I said, and I'm a mechanic, but I don't know if I really want to work on cars. So I'm just kind of thinking through it. Like, I don't even know what I really want to do. And I says, but you know what? In my heart, I would really love to open back up my real estate company and start investing in real estate again. She says, you know what? You're like the 10th person that came in here talking about that they want to invest in real estate. And she was like, and they got this plan laid out in terms of how they're going to invest in real estate. And they were sitting here going over this plan with me. And and I was just like blown away. Like they had all this stuff and they said they're going to buy these properties and how they're going to do it. And they said that they met this guy in prison and he was teaching a program about how to invest in real estate. She said, did you take the same program? I says, I said, I think that was my program that I was teaching. She says, oh, wow. Where are you? She says, so you was the one teaching them? I said, yeah. She says, well, look, Anthony, I want to commend you. She says, I have never seen anybody more ready to come out of prison in terms of what they were going to do for their lives from day one all the way until they actually succeeded what they wanted to do. They had two-year plan, five-year plan, 10-year plan. They knew exactly what they were going to do and how they were going to do it. And she's like, and I was blown away. So I want to commend you. You you did a fabulous job with you. So, you know, that really warmed my heart because I was sitting there confused about what I wanted to do in my life. And finally, the big old brick fell on me like, OK, you got to get back into real estate. You got you got to open your company back up. You know, I was going to fade to black and just, you know, live my life, you know, but <laughs> you know, but, uh, but I said, you know what, I got to open, I open, open the company back up. So so that's what I did. I opened uh, my company back up. Yes. Ah, oh, right I'm telling around. you, Dan, like that all true stories. I everything I'm telling you, I was just like, I'm sitting here listening to her. I was like, wow. So it was almost like God said, Hey, I got you, man. Just go on and do what you need to do. You know, here's your blessing. Go ahead and get back going, get back started, and and be that pillar so that these guys, as they're getting out, they can continue to contact you, continue to get help, and continue to get advice. And that's what it's been for the last seven years, man. And I got tons of tons of amazing stories. One of the stories that one more that I'll share with you, which was really dear to my heart, was uh, I got a State Masters Real Estate Academy. So it's an academy where I teach you know, inspire investors now how to how to invest in real estate and do all these things. Uh, right. And I teach you know people all over the country now because I kind of been able to open it up to the rest of the world. But my son one day called me. He says, Dad. And I've been trying to get him and said, man, why don't you just come into the course, take the course? You know, he grew up around real estate most of the time. But since I've been home, he's been running around doing him, both of my sons. Uh, and I've been trying to get them to come into the business. And they just like, oh, you know, I'm, he's one of them. He's an artist and he's this. And that's great. You know, you want to do all these things. 
but uh, so he actually had kind of got into some troubles and a lot of trouble, you know, especially when I was locked up. So now he was kind of giving back too, and he he went to an event that was held by one of his old coaches to inspire, you know, saying youth, you know, to change their lives and all this type of stuff. So he went back to this event, him and my nephew, and he was at the event, and he uh, while he was there, he said that there was a speaker that was on stage. And he said he was telling, telling everybody like how he started investing in real estate, uh, how he was in prison for X, Y amount of years. And he said he met this guy in prison and it changed his life and that he ended up, you know what I'm saying, teaching him all these things. And now he's buying, you know, commercial buildings, all these different things that he learned from this individual that helped change his life. And he was inspiring the kids that you can do anything with your life and, you know, and teaching them. Right. And so my nephew, he said, he said, my nephew hit him, Deshaun hit him and says, I bet he's talking about your daddy. My son was like, oh, he's not talking about my daddy. Why do you say he's talking about my daddy? He's like, I don't, I bet he's talking about your daddy. He says, whatever. So the event was over and he ended up crossing paths with the speaker. And he says, hey, you talked about that you was in prison and somebody was teaching you why you was in prison. He said, do you mind telling me who he was? What's his name? He says, yes, his name was Anthony Pierre. He said, that was my dad, you know, because my son got the same name as me. He's Anthony Pierre II. So he put out his ID. <laughs> he showed him like, yeah, that's my dad. That was my dad. So, so you know, uh, he called me and told me about this. And it actually was one of my students. His name was Kevin, uh, which I, I plan on in a couple of weeks doing an interview with Kevin. He's doing amazing out and he was locked up in prison as well, too. So, so that was it coming full circle. You know, that kind of what kind of inspired me uh, to just get back into the game. Also, uh, you know, create this academy. And then, and then more importantly, the book is less about real estate. It's me in a compilation with me and 29 other authors. And it's more so about mindset shift, changing your mindset. I'll talk a little bit, but I don't go into a lot of strategies and stuff like that and teach uh, because I think in order for you to be successful in anything in life, you got to first change your mindset. You got to change the way you think. You can go spend $10,000 for some type of a program, but if you got the wrong mindset, not, not, not only are you not helping yourself, you know what I'm saying, they can't help you either. Uh, so it's a process. So, you know, we all deal with things in our lives and we're all going to have challenges. But you have to start looking at these challenges or looking at these obstacles as not obstacles. You have to look at them as opportunities. See, when you look at it as an opportunity, hey, I'm having problems with my marriage. But you know what? It's not an it's an opportunity because guess what? If I can touch my husband's heart, if I can find a way to get him to see me, or I got my son that's struggling in school, it's not an obstacle. It's an opportunity. Now that means now it's time to go to work. What do you need to do to touch your son's heart to help him be able to see things in a way that you needed to see it so that way he can actually come in fold, come full circle and come into the fold and now start to go in a direction that you know that he can go in and do the things that he needs to do. See, we look at things as obstacles and what happens, guess what? They become obstacles. And then when we look at things from negative perspectives, so when we look at something from a negative perspective, it's going to give us negative results. The moment that you tell yourself you can't do something, then guess what? You can't do it. Why? Because your subconscious mind, just you just told him that you can't do it. So guess what? It's not going to work. The subconscious mind is what actually do the work for you. That's why when you go to sleep, sometimes you have a problem and you're thinking about how to solve it. You wake up with the solution sometimes. When you get up, you're like, oh, I know what I need to do. 
Why? Because your subconscious mind was putting the work because you was telling him that, hey, I got this problem. I need to solve it. And I'm wondering what I can do. You're not saying I can't do it. When you tell him you can't, it shuts down. If you say, hey, I'm trying to solve a problem. How can I solve it? What can I do? And you start thinking about it, not only during the day while you're in your conscious mind, but at night in, in your subconscious mind, it's going to go to overdrive. And it's going to start solving those problems. And that's one of the things that I learned is that there is nothing that you can accomplish and do as long as you learn to change the way that you think. Be kind to yourself. Be positive to yourself. Give yourself positive affirmations. Don't sit and tell yourself you can't do this. You a loser. You a failure. If somebody in your life is telling you that, then you need to remove them because they don't got it right. They got it all wrong. And not only are they hurting you, they're hurting themselves. So you need to remove them. And these are some of the things that I teach and help my students and stuff to understand that life is a blessing if you see it that way. But if you see your life as yeah. obstacles and problems and pain and yes, you probably had a difficult lifetime. Yes, more life, uh, you know, coming up as a kid, you might have had a difficult life. We all have got stories. Right. But mm -hmm. if you change the way that you think, not only can you impact and change your life, you can impact and change other people's life because other people need you. They need your story. And I think, you know, this has been amazing. It's incredible because, you know, it, it is like you are version 2.0 of Anthony, because like you said, when you, before you had the experience of everything that you learned and went through in, in prison, which is incredible, everything that you did there, you were already great. You already had success. You already, you know, we're doing so many things that anybody in life hearing that part one would be, oh my gosh, tell me everything you, you know, did to, to be 1.0. And uh, the shift that you made, and I think this is really important to emphasize because I think we all go through part of this in our journey and our transformation, is when it's not just about you. See, one of the things that we battle with is our ego, our pride, and, you know, not wanting that to be diminished. And when you get humbled, which certainly your situation puts you, put your feet on the ground Absolutely. and humbled you just like other, other moments that you may, may look a little bit different for all of us is it's not about us. <laughs> when you make life bigger than you and what you're capable of doing to impact the people and the world around you, it changes the way you look at the world, it changes the way you do things and it changes the purpose in, in, in how you walk in, in the world. And so that's exactly what you did. So when you came and you have these amazing stories, my favorite one is of your son, because see, a lot of times our family members, you know, you could be the son of LeBron James or the son, you know, uh, the, the, the son or daughter of uh, this, you know, successful person. And they they see you as dad or they see you as mom. They don't see you as the, you know, the messiah of the NBA or whatever it is. But until somebody else sees you that way, 
then they're like, oh, okay, maybe maybe you do know a little something, something. And so, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how it takes sometimes us to be humbled and us to, to be in a position of saying, I don't know everything. I always have room to learn and grow what it can do and what it can do for others. The magnitude of what you're doing today is tenfold. And that's such a beautiful thing because you, you used life is the school. You've never stopped learning. And yeah. that's the reason why you're able to, you know, persevere and help others. And I just, I'm, I'm just so blown away and inspired by you. You know, a lot of people look at, you know, it's a, it's a matter life comes with these, these little, these little dips. But I always tell people is like, don't be too overly dramatic and don't be too high. Don't ever be too high and too low. Don't take yourself too seriously. When you do that, what happens is instead of your life being like this and then you're on these highs and you're on these lows, which runs you crazy, your life will be more like this. You'll have a little bump here and then you'll be back up. You know, you have a little bump there and you'll just keep going because you have the right perspective in life and you understand that, hey, we live in a world right now that's extremely volatile, extremely crazy, and anything can happen. But as long as I'm willing to continue to better myself and then continue to allow my pain to heal and help others by giving, you're going to find happiness. Why? Because the Bible says what? There's more happiness in giving than what? Than receiving. So that becomes that becomes the principle that we all live by. And if we do that, if I'm seeking dads, if I try to seek your advantage every day and then you're trying to seek my advantage every day, it would be just a happy relationship, friendship. Right. Because we're always what do you need, dads? What can I do? You know, Anthony, what do you need? What can I do for you? Well, let me do for you first. OK, well, I do for me this time, but I got to take care of you. It changes everything. But what happens is we're in a world that per, that that uh, gives this idea that you got to take, 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 take. And it's all about me, me, me. And, you know, I got to be the best. I got to be the best. No, you don't. You don't have to be the best at nothing. You know, just keep giving of what you can give. And then that becomes your best. It's not equated by a dollar figure and how much money you got in your bank account. Can't nobody define you and say that you great or that you're not a failure or that that you are a failure or anything. That's something that you allow. People will put their pain or put their frustration and their thoughts and they'll try to throw that baggage on you. And what happens is, is we tend to grab it, put it in our book bags and then walk around with it and then keep letting people put it on and put it in our book bags until the mm-hmm. point it starts to weigh us down. No, you stay it away from And it's funny, out. you know, it's, yeah. It's funny to hear you say that too, because what I think about in, in this battle that we're in with, you know, the, t- the take versus the, the, the give is I always like to think about our eulogy. And at the time somebody or somebody's plural people are talking at your eulogy, mm-hmm. do you think they're talking about the things that you acquired, the amount of money that you were able to accumulate or spend or nobody's saying that they're Mm -hmm. talking about who you are your character what you did what you contributed in life to the world to those around you and it's it's just a perspective that i like to put out there because it's it it grounds us you know we have to we have to think about that it's not it's not how much you have it's who you are and what difference you're making 
That's a good point because you know the, the Bible uh, makes a, it's a principle in the Bible where it says that uh, a name is better than than you know good gold and and, and corals and, and silver, uh, but the day of one's mourning uh, is better than the days of one's birth. So you would think like, well, what does he mean by that? So the day of one's mourning, meaning that the day of a person's death, is better than the day of one person being born. Now you would think. Now we put all this. Oh, birthday. I'm happy birthday. But, but the Bible says, no, you, when you die, that's the most significant point in your life. Why? Because what kind of name do you have with other people? Also, I talked about earlier fighting for your relationship with God. What kind of name do you have with God? Now, the principle basically is talking about first and foremost spiritual. So it's really talking about first and foremost, your relationship with God. What kind of name do you have with God? And then on top of that, what kind of name do you have with other people. He says it's, it's more valuable than gold and silver. So that goes to your point there is that you're seeing that through life and wisdom and dealing with trials and tribulation. But he tells you it right in the Bible right now. Hey, don't worry about none of that stuff. Have a good name. Impact, empower, change people's lives by giving. Right. And then also establish a good relationship with me so that way I can help you. Because if you don't have a relationship with them, how can they help you? It's just like anyone, right? So it's it's a few mm -hmm. things, you know. And then, I, you know, before we get out of here, one thing uh, that I would like to share uh, with your with your audience uh, is just something that helped me a lot. Uh, and I mm -hmm. think that if anybody is dealing with anything uh, in their lives right now, and they're trying to figure out. Uh, how do I deal with it? Because we all have things that we're going through, and there's like a five-step process uh, that that I that I that I teach, and that I think it helped me. And this is how I was able to really overcome, and I had to really meditate on this. And one of the things that the first step that you have to do is that you have to first and foremost be honest with yourself. So that's step one. You have to really be honest with yourself. You have to actually really be honest, and then and then take responsibility. Because being honest with yourself, you're going to find out that if your marriage is suffering, you had something to do with it. It wasn't just all your husband or it wasn't just all your wife, you know, and then be proactive. Why wait until you get divorce papers to fight for your relationship, to actually humble yourself and really realize that you need to do something about it? So it starts with being honest with yourself. Quit letting the elephant continue to walk in the room and address the issue and move forward. Communication is the key in all relationships, whether it's business, whether it's in the family and whether it's with the spouse. And sometimes it hurts to the core to communicate because of pain that you may be feeling. But you can never get over that pain until you communicate. A person needs to know, you know, and it becomes therapeutic for you. So be honest with yourself. OK, so that's the first one. The next one is that what I had to do is I had to forgive myself. I had to actually forgive myself. I had to really say, you know what, Anthony, you know what? You made a mistake and it's OK. And you know what? Your kids still love you. Everyone still loves you. You just need to make sure that you utilize this opportunity to be a better person so that when you get out, not only will your kids see that you might have dealt with trials, but they'll also see that no matter what you deal with in life, you can overcome them if you change the way that you think and you continue to impact and change your life. So 
You have to forgive yourself. If you don't forgive yourself, I don't care what you're dealing with your life. I don't care if it was childhood things that happened to you, things that that you felt like it wasn't your fault. You was vulnerable. People took advantage of you, whatever it is. You have to forgive yourself because a lot of times it's the pain of your being involved is what is hurting you most because you, I wish I knew, I wish I didn't. It's all about, you know, so you feeling all this pain, you know, and then you worrying about, you know, what's happening to you. And then what happens is, is it makes it difficult for you to forgive yourself. Cause if you can't forgive yourself, you will never be able to forgive them period. So you have to forgive yourself because it's you that's constantly entangled in it. So that's two. And then the third one is that I understood is that I had to, adjust my mindset. There is no such thing as failure. If I were to continue to be in prison and looked at myself as a failure, I would not even be sitting here on your show today. I would probably would have spiraled mm-hmm. out of control and probably would have got into the mix of what a lot of those inmates do. And they just say, I don't care. And they go in there and they selling drugs while they in there. They're getting into relationships with, with staff and just doing all kind of ill will stuff that's not benefiting them at all. Okay. So I had to change my mindset. So you have to change your mindset. You have to take and change your mindset. See, for the first one, forgiveness is releasing, you know what I'm saying, the real problem, okay? And well, I mean, mm-hmm. for the second one, it's releasing the problem. It's actually releasing it when you forgive yourself. The first one, you actually are uprooting it. So number one, you're uprooting it by being honest, okay? You're uprooting the problem. Number two, you know what I'm saying, now you're releasing it. I'm gone. Remember I talked about that book bag? You're taking that book bag off and you're throwing it over in the corner and you're gone. Or you throw it in the trash and you're going with your life, right? And then three, we talked about mindset. All it is is reverse psychology. Trick yourself. And you're going to see that. You know, trick yourself. That's what it really is. Trick yourself. Quit calling yourself a failure and tell yourself, you know what? You're an amazing person. You're a loving person. You know, you care about people and then go out and act and do it. And then guess what? You're going to start believing it. Why? Because enough people are going to tell you that exact same thing. Man, Anthony, you're so loving. You're so caring. You're so this. Why? Because you're doing it. You're being who you really are. You're not. I've seen people that are so hateful, so evil, and that ain't even really who they are. It's a facade because of pain and things that they hold inside that that's just bigger than them. And they think that that's the way to deal with it. Until you can peel all that back. And then they're the most loving, the most giving person because somebody took something from them and they just feel like from here on, I ain't giving anything else. I hate people. I hate everyone. Right. So there you mm-hmm. that's that's three. So you gotta you gotta trick yourself, reverse psychology, change your mindset. Number five, you have to remember or identify your purpose. What is it that you really want to do with your life? What did you set out when you get up every morning? What are you doing? What are you setting out for? See, we stop dreaming. We stop going after what we want in our lives because someone told us that we can't be this or we can't be that. And see, we are naturally creative people. God said, I made you in my image. He made all humans in our image, in his image. And he's a creator first. He made time. He made mm-hmm. pain. He made he made everything, right? So we actually are creators too. So it's a natural thing. You are you actually suppressing yourself when you're not taking time out to be creative. 
So you have to recognize your purpose. So you may not know it right now, but you got to take time out, meaning that you have to remove yourself out of the problems that you have in your life. Okay, I'm, I owe millions of dollars in debt, or I owe this, or this is what happened. You have to remove yourself from the problem because when you get up every day and go into your problem, you're never going to be creative enough to solve it. You're just going to be getting beat up by it every day. You solve problems by stepping away and now being mm-hmm. creative and saying, to your subconscious mind, how can I solve this? What can I do? And now you're taking time out each day, 30 minutes, just to be creative. And you're taking a pen and people, piece of paper and write it down. One of them ideals is going to solve the problem. But if you ain't taking time to actually be creative, you'll never solve the problems. So identify your purpose. That's number two. I call it soul searching. Okay. And then the fifth one I'm going to leave with your crowd is that you got to take hold of your purpose. You got it. Now you got clarity. So take hold of it. Go get it. And don't look mm-hmm. back. And don't let anybody tell you what you can't do. And just go for it. Action. I love Make that. It happen. Yes, action. That's the key. That's the key. And it's, you know, and it's changing that, like you said, mindset. So if you do tell yourself, I can't, you're changing that into how can I? And it's asking a different question so you can be in that creative space and that creative energy. That was the mic drop with those five gems right there. Like if you just repeat that part of the podcast, just rewind it a little bit, replay it while you're driving in the car. (laughs) That's all you need. Anthony, this has been such a magical time. I I know that I'm going to sit with the things that you've shared because we, it's, you know, school because that that is one thing that we we kind of revere and we talk about and we encourage our youth right to go to school Mm -hmm. the funny thing is that like and that's why i love that you talked about your experience in prison as school life is school it doesn't end so just because you're in an institution doesn't mean that is the time when you turn the switch off and stop learning in fact it is to me it's the test drive before the real drive, because it's when you get out is when you're applying the tools and you're refining the tools and you're adding tools to your toolbox and your toolkit to be able to do more. And I I hope that today people can walk away feeling like they've sharpened or potentially even added some new tools to their toolbox. So I just appreciate you. And I have to ask you before we go, how, can people reach you? Uh, they, they might feel like they have some follow-up questions or they, you know, <laughs> might feel like they just want to see what you're doing or they, they're like, he talked about real estate. I don't really know all about that, but now that he's talked about it, I kind of want to know more about that. <laughs> Where yeah. can they find you? Oh, okay. Well, one of the, the easiest ways right now is that I'm, I don't know if your, your, your members are, are, are familiar with Linktree, uh, but mm-hmm. I do have a Linktree account. You can go to uh, Linktree uh, forward slash A P I E R R E one zero zero two. So you just go and type in the Linktree site, and, and then you put the four class four slash and put A P R one zero zero two. And what will happen is is that it'll pull up if you want to 
you pick up the book, then you can go and 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 do that. If you want to actually directly reach out to me, you can do that as well. It also has access to my uh, Facebook group, so you can actually join a Facebook group. Uh, every Wednesday, I do a free training on real estate and also life in general. I kind of tie it all together, uh, so you can actually get that as well. And then also for real estate, for those who's interested in real estate, I do have a free uh, masterclass on there where I teach. Uh, Five simple steps to making $50,000 or more on all your real estate uh, flips. Uh, so you can have fun with that. And then, of course, you can reach out to me. I do a free 45-minute consultation. So if you're interested in just figuring out what you want to do with your life and and, and, and how you can implement and add uh, real estate into that so you can actually maybe create financial freedom, uh, you can reach out to me that way, too. And we can talk about you know a plan and, and maybe put you together a 24-month plan or, or a five-year plan or whatever it is so that you can get out here and do some amazing things. Oh, my gosh. That is awesome. I do always include in the show notes information. So I will put the link tree so people can have that one link to access all the different ways to reach out to you, however they may be interested. Yeah, social media is on Facebook is on there too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've been on your link tree and I see all the little icons at the bottom where there's the yeah. Instagram and the Facebook and all the little things and the, the, yeah. bo the book link. Um, but this is this, I, I couldn't ask for a better way to start the year. I, I feel invigorated. Um, you know, th this is all in the right time. I, I believe in the universe. I believe in timing and this was well-timed because now, you know, we, we have this, reminder of living in our purpose. And I, I love leaving on that note from this podcast episode, reminding people that A, they have a purpose and B, they should be moving in it. And how can we do, how can we do that today? And how can we do that going forward? So thank you so much, Anthony. This has been awesome. You are so welcome. It's such a pleasure. I was looking forward to coming on your show. You do such an amazing job. And again, continue to keep moving in your purpose because this is what you should be doing. And you're like a light that's shining and just continue to be bright and continue to help those that need it because tons of people need your help and they need you out here. So continue to keep doing what you're doing. Don't stop the momentum. Well, sure I'm not after today. I know that. <laughs> so that's awesome. 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 Well, make sure to be following um, Anthony and check out his link tree and we'll tune in again next time. See you guys later. A new year and celebrating episode 50. That is such a remarkable milestone for the Born Unbreakable podcast, doing two episodes a week with the most incredible and inspiring guests. I couldn't be more grateful of the start to this year, so much so that I want to reward you as listeners for being here with me starting off this amazing year. So if you've gotten this far in the first episode of the year, I am going to say the first three people that send me a DM to Born Unbreakable on Instagram or email me. So either way, you can email me des at bornunbreakable.com. We'll get a little something, something. Okay. So, uh, we'll see who those three people are and we'll get that going because I am in that spirit of giving. Anthony Pierre certainly put me there. What a story. 
What a story. So powerful. We are not failures because we continue to keep going. We don't stop and you're not stopping. And you certainly are not stopping now because we're moving into greatness. We are moving into this next chapter of up-leveling your life. So with that, you're going to change your mindset today. You're going to tell yourself, how can I? And that is the spirit of how we're moving into this new year. What is the story that is holding you back? What is that barrier? We're going to eliminate that so that you can live, like Anthony said, in your purpose. And I also want to invite you because this is something that I like to do at the beginning of every year is to choose a word of intention. So I would love to know what your word of intention is. Feel free to share that with me and any of the platforms that you can reach me on. My word, dun, 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 reveal for 2022 is momentum. A lot of exciting things happening right now for Born Unbreakable and and the other businesses that I'm doing. And momentum is such a fitting word for exactly how I feel and how I want to continue feeling as I move on into this journey. So with that, uh, what do I always say? It is no different. You are your only limit. So take action. Make this a year of massive action. From this point, okay, this point right now, today, the first day of the year, January 1st, think about where you could be 90 days from now. 90 days from now, at the end of the first quarter, what you can accomplish if you commit right now to put your mind to it. What would that look like for you? I am so excited. I'm fired up. I can keep going, but then this podcast episode would end up being two hours long. (laughs) And I'm not going to do that to you. So, so much more is in store. Continue to tune in. There's a lot of glorious things that will be happening in 2022. And I'm so happy that you're with me for the ride. Tune in again next time for another exciting, inspiring, invigorating, and empowering episode of the Born Unbreakable podcast.